Hey folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, we got a uh, we got a great show this week. We, there are too many topics actually. We've just spent a while in the pre-show meeting narrowing them down for the listener because that's how that's how much we care that we actually spend time. We don't just say, "Hey, Carlos, how you doing? Let's talk about this." You know? Yeah, we, no. If, we, we put an outline together. What's nice is uh, if we're ever on YouTube, the the listener could watch you on YouTube, like you know, jotting down. Uh, on a probably, I'm guessing mustard stained napkin, a couple of thoughts with a with an old big broken pen. So yeah, we're it's a well oiled machine, Sean. We are humming. We are we're organized and committed to having a quality, uh, composed, carefully uh, wrought show. Where we're going to show a lot of uh, respect for each other, as we always do, and keep it uh, keep it very civil. All right, how about let's let's start off by saying. Let me start off by saying uh, what we're not going to talk about. Because we can always talk about this. We're not going to talk about Michigan, Michigan State, and Jim Harbaugh, even though it's uh, it's at DEFCON, whatever, three at this point. We'll say it went from four to three <laughs> after Harbaugh's news, and Twitter blew up, and the message boards were crazy. And by the way, can I just share a very quick anecdote? I know we're in the, the we're top of the show with a rundown, and we're, we're going to get the Lions and Tigers and all sorts of good stuff, but can I just share a quick anecdote? I thought it was funny. A producer I know on another podcast who's a huge Michigan fan and a Michigan alum, so let that be a qualifier, uh, said for, for kicks and uh, grins last week when the news broke that Harbaugh is going to get, they're likely to get suspended for four games or the, the recruiting violations, the NCAA accusing him of lying about it, that this producer, Michigan grad, Michigan fan who tailgates every week in Ann Arbor or every home game, went on to the message boards of the Ohio State Buckeyes. I think it was 11 <laughs> Warriors. The Penn State Nittany Lions. He may have gone to Notre Dame. There was one other one. And he said all of them were consistently, I can't believe the NCAA is doing this. Uh, you know, what's Ohio State going to say, right? Urban Meyer was suspended. I mean, you know, Penn State has its issues. So maybe you take that with a grain of salt. But every one of the boards he went on, they were all, they had a weird little bit of, not weird, but interesting empathy for not Harbaugh so much, it's just I can't believe the NCA. We got to stop the NCA. They're out of control. This is ridiculous. Four games. It's minor two recruiting violations. Then he gets to the Michigan State message board, and it's all he needs to be fired. He's a he's a liar, a cheater. It's a disgusting, corrupt university that needs to be, and it's evil. And oh my god, right? So he, it was just, and he went to Ohio State. So we will have plenty of time, Carlos. I know you and I both have written about it, but you will have plenty of time to talk about it as the season goes on. But I just wanted to throw that out there. I just thought that was funny. It's I know that's just anecdotal evidence, but it does kind of speak to just the uh, what's going on with Michigan, Michigan State. Nothing, football. nothing, nothing encapsulates that rivalry in recent years like the little brother comment. I mean that that just that just gets into the 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 bone marrow of this fanaticism on both sides of what one side thinks of the other, what triggers the other side, how, and it's like, I mean, your favorite thing, Sean, your favorite trope is it's like, you're like brothers. It's like family, your neighbors, you know, I mean, how many Ohio state flags are out there, you know, on neighbors, yeah, you know, right. porches, but you know, Michigan, Michigan state, green and white, Maize and blue, all down Bumper the street. stickers, li- personalized license plates, you know, right? Oh, yeah. Everything, I mean, right. You're not going to get on Ohio State it, it, It's plate. everywhere. You go into any store, even in Ann Arbor, maybe not the Michigan Den, the the M Den up on State Street the, that sells all the paraphernalia and so forth, the uh, accoutrement, as somebody <laughs> in my household would say. Uh, that, that's about the only place you won't see any green. You go to Dick's Sporting Goods in Ann Arbor, guess what? There's Michigan State stuff in Ann Arbor. Ooh, yeah, is it a small? So, is it a small little spot? Yeah, it's it? not. It's it's a lot more Michigan stuff for sure. And I don't know if that's true in Michigan State. I can't speak to that. I don't. <laughs> but if if the Dicks or the sporting goods stores up there, the local places probably don't. In any case, look, look at me. I'm already being a hypocrite. I'm. Uh, we spent twenty we, minutes already on this. I said we weren't going to talk about this, and uh, and and here we are. We, we, look, we want to get to the lines in a little bit. We want to talk about Jamison Williams uh, and whether he's a bust or not. I know you think he is. We want to, uh, you know, talk about our, our, can we use the word fetish on this family-oriented show? Careful. Obsessions. Careful. Our, our obsessions. right now is giving me, she's texting me right now. She felt uh, a disturbance of course. We, we want to <laughs> talk about our obsessions, yours with Ben Johnson, mine with the offensive line, and have some fun with that. 
and uh, just this this out of control hope and hype train that, or whatever you want to call it, whatever cliche you want. Dan, for the called, lines. Dan Campbell but called we'll it a hype train. He did. He said it was getting to be. Even he said, "Okay, enough's enough." He, but that he's just doing that for his players. We'll get into that in a little bit, and what we've seen so far at camp. Uh, we'll do that in the second section of the show. But first, Carlos, we got to get to your sport and the Detroit Tigers. And how Scott Harris, I guess, deserves to be fired because he could not trade <laughs> Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah, he uh, I, people are not happy, you know. And I think I, it, it, I think that there's there should be concern. There should be, you know, uh, our colleague Jeff Seidel uh, wrote a, a good column about this and saying that he failed his big first big test was his. His, you know, the whole, you had one job, one job, you know, and his main job was trading Erod for some good prospects, you know, and, um, and he couldn't get it done. And, and it's, we don't, you know, all the chips haven't settled into place. We don't know all the particulars, but the thing, the question is how much was this completely in Scott Harris's control? You know, it, it was, the Dodgers, you know, that that's what fell through was he was supposed to go to the Dodgers and it seemed like it was going to happen. And suddenly, apparently, reportedly, uh, it was a family issue, a family concern of why he didn't want to go. And he invoked his no trade clause to the Dodgers, one of, I think, 10 teams that he had in his no trade agreement. But those things get waived all the time, you know, because, uh, you know, when he signed his contract, whatever it was three years ago with the Tigers, you know, that was in there. Circumstances change. Things change whatever it might be. So you see that, you know, people change and they, you know, when the, when the rubber hits the road and like, all right, the clock's ticking, the trade's going to happen. Uh, what makes you comfortable? It's, it's, it's a discussion between the two teams, the player's agent, the player himself, what, what, what's going to happen? What, what needs to happen for you to be okay with waving your no trade? And it usually happens, especially a big market team like LA with tons of money. It would, it was odd. It was odd that that couldn't happen. Um, but so that's the question is how much was this out of Scott Harris's control? Like, could any GM have done this, you know, or was it just always at the end of the day going to come down to Rodriguez saying, no, I have other concerns beyond baseball or whatever it is um, that are keeping me from saying I want to go to the Dodge. So we don't know. I don't know if we'll ever know the truth behind this, if that'll ever get reported, if you'll ever talk about it. But it was it was hard because now what do the Tigers have, right? So it's it's you, they got, they traded Michael Lorenzen for a prospect from the Phillies, but can't feel great if you're a Tigers fan. You felt like this was a chance to take a step forward, get some prospects, look to the future, and right now you're just left with Erod for the next you know couple months, and then he's probably going to invoke his uh, his opt out and test free agency. So it's uh, it's a pretty deflating feeling for Tigers fans. Yeah, it is. It's it's a layered deal for me. It's, um, I mean, if I think about okay. Let's go back to the beginning, not the very beginning, but a report came out earlier in the week. Maybe it was last week. I can't remember that. They Scott Harris and the Tigers have been talking to Tampa, and I, our own Evan Petzold got some information that Tampa was interested and wanted Rodriguez, but they thought that Harris wanted too much. In the trade, right, in a potential trade. You think it was? So, you think it was uh, Erod for Isak Paredes? Hit straight up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that sorry, been, sorry, uh, too soon. Sorry. No, that, that yeah, that would have been fun. But um, so we know there were possibilities out there. So so Harris, this is how I look at it. Harris took a gamble. He surely could have moved Rodriguez. Um, I mean, he could have moved Rodriguez for whatever, and but he just didn't feel like. He was going to get, uh, or he was going to get, a, he was getting enough in those however many early offers he had. We don't know. This is all speculation. Even the Tampa thing, you have to take a little bit of a grain of salt, but you know, because sometimes front offices leak information for uh, their own agendas. So, absolutely. But we can, I think we can say fairly safely that Tampa and Detroit were talking and there was at least some interest. I think we, we probably can't say anything more definitive than that, but. But, and again, this, I want to preface this by saying we don't know for sure, and it's a speculation, but it seems to me that Scott Harris took a gamble and didn't like what he was getting at first in terms of the offers. And um, finally comes around to the Dodgers, likes what they're offering, understands he, they're on one of the, the, the one of the 10 teams 
that Rodriguez can say no is the no-trade clause, as part of the no-trade clause. And that is then a second gamble. But I don't know that he would have gone through with it to the degree they went through with it. We're having conversations. The Dodgers are talking to Rodriguez's agent. I don't know if they go through with it, Carlos, or Harris does. Not go through with it, but, but really get into the process if he doesn't think Rodriguez is open to it. Right? At some point, they would, they would have had to have gone to Rodriguez. Unless Harris is a complete fool, which I don't think he is, there's no way he would have gotten that far without getting some sense from Rodriguez or his agent that he was open to it. What, what do you think? For I think that I, I think you're absolutely right, and I think this is uh, I, okay. If you if you want to believe that Harris knows what he's doing, first time general manager, he's not a general manager, but whatever he is, the de facto general manager. If you want to believe that he knows what he's doing, you would believe that you believe that this is a basic part of the negotiation is sounding out the player and his agent. Is this doable? You know. If you don't want to believe that, if you're questioning his competency, I guess, you would wonder, was there some weird failure in the communication process where there was just, there were assumptions about this or miscommunication about, or misunderstanding of, of what was important or what, what could have stopped the trade and why even start going down that road um, if you don't know for sure. And, you know, I don't think it's wholly... Um, I mean, they said, I mean, I mean, Harris said yesterday in his press conference that, you know, they were, they were in contact with him through, through, with Erod himself, phone and text. And I don't know what else, uh, email or something, who knows what, but they were, they made, he made it seem like they were constantly in contact with him, uh, regular contact with him, um, throughout the day, uh, maybe even from the previous night. So I don't know. I mean, I, it's, it's, you would think, right, if this was, if there was at all a chance that this was going to be nixed, that they would have had to have been more cautious. So it's going to be like who ordered the co- who ordered the code red is what it's going to come down to. Who dropped the ball? Who? Where was the communi- communication breakdown? When? When did? And maybe that's what when we're recording this today. You know, Rodriguez is pitching. He's going to speak with the media afterward. We don't know how much he's going to divulge about that process. My guess is not that much. He's probably not going to get into the nitty gritty. Harris stonewalled the media, you know, with all the questions about that. How did the process break down? What was the issue? Blah, blah, blah. And he just kept saying it wouldn't be fair. It's not fair to the Dodgers, to us, to Rodriguez, to get into the communications that we've had. Sure, you know, you don't expect him to to, to give too much information away, but something something somewhere got messed up that shouldn't have been messed up because it shouldn't have gotten to that point. Cause it makes, basically it makes you, if you're Chris Illich, you have to have your doubts about this. You have to have your like this. How did you not only not get him moved, but kind of look stupid, you know, doing it like you couldn't get it done. You dropped somewhere. The ball was dropped. So it's going to, this is how it's going to be remembered as we move forward. Unless, unless other, really important, very clear information comes out. It's going to be remembered as how did Scott Harris not, how did the, the, the Tigers not get this done? What was the problem here? How did they not foresee a problem that was going to, that was going to stall the, the trade? So it's not a good look, not a good look for Scott Harris or the Tigers right now. No. And he's, uh, <laughs> he's willing to eat that. That's what's, I mean, that's interesting. That's smart too, because he doesn't want to, I mean, you know, he's going to want to sign other free agents at some point, right? And he can't be throwing them under the bus. In fact, I think the quote was, you know, Rodriguez or Eduardo, or whatever, whatever part of his name he used, is not the villain here. Uh, even even if he is, I don't know. I mean, who knows? But the fact that he said that, I mean, that was smart on his point, just apart just for the future. Yeah. But uh, you know, until, we don't until know. he leaks it, until he leaks the backstory to John Morosi or somebody else at on a national level and says, listen, this is what really happened. You know, if I'm, he, he's he, smart. He, he, he might do that, but players are smart and they, they would understand that, that the front office of the Tigers still threw him under the bus. But you're right. I mean, it might eventually come out. I, I suppose it's possible that, that Rodriguez initially sort of agreed to it and then had second thoughts, had conversations with his family. Sure. What's a little bit interesting is that he, the, the reports are he wants to pitch and play on the eastern half of the United States. And by Eastern half, I assume we're not including Arkansas. I know there's not a, a baseball team in Arkansas, but 
I don't think it's just east of the Mississippi River. I, I, I think we're talking about the eastern seaboard to some degree, although reports say that he actually likes it here, that he that he's, you know, he's, he's had a good year and that he likes pitching for Hinch, you know. Even the move to sit him a few days ago so they didn't put him in an awkward spot if he got traded and he's trying to prep or whatever for his, his slot in the rotation. I mean, that, was, that showed some grace on, uh, on Hinch's part, and I'm sure that was a conversation with Harris or at least – uh, you know, a text or something. So Rodriguez may, who knows? I mean, I, obviously he's going to opt out of his contract. Wouldn't that be something if they re-signed him? I think they'd like to re-sign him. At some point they can't, um, I mean, I was told that they would like to re-sign him if, if it's for reasonable money, but at some point you need talent, you need players, it can't just be prospects. But but to me, the bottom line is Harris took a gamble. He He obviously probably could have traded him. The number of teams he could have traded him to is obviously – Limited. I mean, it's a third, more or less, because the 10 no-trade clause. Of those two-thirds teams, Carlos, how many would even want to spend the money and be in a position to go get a player for a couple of months? Probably not that many. So really, what was the what was the market Harris was dealing with? Six, seven teams? Maybe if eight that, teams? If that. If, because, if that. If that. Because it's also like like uh, Evan Evan did a good job, Petzold, uh, explaining repeatedly how you have to have a big market team with a lot of payroll willing to absorb that risk because if he gets hurt between now and the end of the season, he can opt into his contract three years at $49 million and get paid for not playing, basically. That's a risk that you'd have to take. So I don't know if that any, has anything to do with a negotiation of whether he wanted an assurance of some kind of contract extent. Oh, who knows? But, yeah, it, but that's it a risk. That's a sure. risk that, like you know, the smaller maybe maybe the Baltimore Orioles can't don't want to take that risk because they don't have the same payroll. I'm assuming as the Dodgers. I'm not, I don't have the numbers right here in front of me, but I'm just assuming that. And teams like the Yankees are out of the. They're probably not really going to make the playoffs. So. Yeah, it's a small like to your point. It's a, a very small group of play, teams that could that could uh, vie for him seriously. Yeah, right. So it's a combination of the, the the market. Look, it's I mean Harris. You could argue, and it's a fair argument that he should have moved in period. But what are we talking about? They what? So what are we really talking about that they lost on? Let's talk about this for a sec. What what did they lose out on? If maybe maybe a good prospect, the Dodgers have had a really good farm system over the years. If it were the Dodgers, but if he really had to move Rodriguez. The safest way to do that was to pick a team he had no there was no no tape no trade clause with. That that number as we just established is way, way down from the twenty twenty two teams, whatever it is, because of who can afford him and who'd even be interested in him. So so what kind of prospect are you going to get at that point without a lot of leverage? And then let's just take the math of prospects overall. And I know Tiger fans don't want to hear this and say, yeah, Al Avila made all these other deals, but Verlander didn't bring anything back. You know, who's brought something back over the years? You say, okay, that's the previous front office and that scouting department. But when Verlander was traded, Franklin Perez wasn't rated by the, the just the Tiger scouting department. He was one of the best prospects in the the Astros farm system. And they were one of the best farm systems, in a, or at least regarded, right? So a lot of the baseball team teams thought a fair amount of some of these prospects the Tigers got, and none of them have worked out. So what what just happened with the Tigers by not trading Rodriguez? That they missed out on a 20% chance to get a guy who's going to make a, make a rotation or a lineup? Because to me, that's what it really comes down to is that math. Yeah, I mean that's absolutely true. You're going to get prospects, um, but you know, at some point you got to. I mean, baseball, you got to roll the dice. I mean, you got to, you got, you have so many people in your system, and I think, I think that I don't remember exactly what Harris said in this press conference, but um, I know he spoke of uh, the prospect that he got back for Lorenzen. From the Phillies, I think he was their fifth-rated prospect in the yep. Phillies organization. How you Lee? Am I pronouncing How that right? Lee, yeah, How you Lee, and um, an infielder, an infielder, a good hitter. Supposedly, he's been lighting it up in high A, I think. So, but uh, baseball is all about projection. You know, you're not going to get you're not going to get a starting player right now from a contending team, obviously. So, Mm-mm. it's got to be a prospect. Um, I would imagine that the Dodgers. Like you said, I mean, they have such a great farm system, you know, they would be probably able to, you know, give the give Harris back some 
some players that uh, that they could use. And the Dodgers have the you know the, Harris's philosophy on you know uh, uh, dominating you know the plate as as for pitchers and for hitters that traces its roots to the Dodgers system because he comes from the Giants system, which came from the Dodgers system. And so you watch the Dodgers and they, they have some of the best uh, among hitters, at least best plate discipline in the, in the majors. So you could understand why that makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, uh, you got it. You got everybody's, you know, you didn't get a prospect and whether maybe it would have been, uh, I, I haven't done the research on, the you know the Dodgers pipeline and prospects, but something tells me he would have gotten someone with a fair amount of promise, better um, odds, right? Better odds, which better is probably that's all which is. is why he gambled to do it with the Dodgers. We can assume. I think I think that's a fair assumption. Yeah, yeah. Why he wanted to deal with deal with L.A. Right? Yeah, to up the odds that that you'll get a player who can actually do something. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I understand the fans. I understand the fans the people that love this team and their uh, notion that, you know, you just got to keep taking swings, no pun intended. You know, you just keep, you make the trade to get the prospects, you make the trade to get the prospects, you know, you get a good player and you're not quite ready, you make the trade to get the prospects. And I understand at some point, maybe you'll hit. And so in that, from that perspective, it's a lost opportunity. There's no question. There's no question. And maybe Harris will learn from this. Maybe next time he's in a somewhat similar spot, although it was a very, you know, un- not unusual contract, but a f- somewhat rare contract. Maybe he's in a similar spot. He he takes the first offer or the second offer and, and doesn't wait and try to get everything he wants. So he can at least take a swing, so to speak. Well, but, and that's the, that's the hard spot he was in is, I mean, this is all poker, you know, and you can't be a badass poker player if you just, cave at any minute and say, well, the, this is all falling through. Okay. I'll take your, you know, 120th prospect and the guy right. who's picked in the 20th round and, and, uh, you know, some, uh, fungal bats and whatever, you know, like fine, you'll never be taken seriously as a general manager trying to swing a trade or just going to wait you out if you're going to cave. So he can't really do that. He can't just, well, we got something, you know, like at that point, he's like, Hey, I'm taking my ball. I'm going home. And, like you said, you know, well, at least every five days we'll have a chance to <laughs> to maybe win a game, and you know, maybe maybe put some lipstick on the pig on the the record at the end of the year, and it'll they'll win a few more games, and you know, and wouldn't it be wouldn't it be insane if they win the if they won the division now with a Eduardo Rodriguez, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, that's the thing. If they if they'd come out of the All Star break and and won seven to ten or eight to ten instead of losing seven to ten. Then uh, maybe they're not in this position. Maybe he's not trying to shop him in the first place. And no, 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 no. He was going to shop him. There's no. I mean, way. who knows? Yeah, trying to trying to get into oh, you know, win the worst division in baseball, and then you know. Yeah, because when you have a chance, you take it, right? I mean, at some point. But uh, you're you're the one who's always talking about. Yeah, you can't build for the super future, the the way down future. At some point, you just got to say, hey, we might be able to compete. Let's do well, it. Well, not That's, this year, you, though. Not that's usually been your philosophy. That's been my philosophy, but this is the difference is it's a new regime. You know, he's got a, the new front office and he's got to build it, you know, just for the chance to squeak into the playoffs in a bad by winning a bad division. You look at the Tigers, there's just too many problems. I mean, they're just, they just, they just can't, they're not going to be able to compete. They're not going to be able to make a run. can't score. Yeah. That's, can't that's, score. That's, they can barely, their pitching's coming around a little bit, but even that. So, yeah, this is, I do not, I, and if it would have been your, to your point, it would have been his worst nightmare to have suddenly them surging and they're they're leading the AL Central and they deal Rodriguez and Lorenzo. Yeah, right. But then, yeah, then it's funny because they ended up getting anything out of Rodriguez. And I know it's a bad look. It's uh, and I understand why it's frustrating. I don't know that it's the um, end of the world, because if you're assuming that they would have gotten somebody that would have made a difference. And that is that is an iffy assumption. That's just the nature of baseball. That's not Absolutely. a defensive. That's not a defensive Harris. It's as much as it's just a realistic outlet of how this works. And uh, I get it. You know, you you want as many times as the plate as you can get, and that's fair. But um, but you know, you're gonna walk back to the dugout without touching a base a lot more than you're not. Yeah. So, all right. Let's uh, let's get on to the, the your your secret favorite team, the Detroit Lions. But we need to take a quick break before we come right back with more free press sports with Carlson Sean.
Welcome back to Free Press Sports with with uh, Carl Shashan. That would be me and you. I, I guess I get to say that, but then that's confusing. I don't know, man. We we had a pretty good section. I'm uh, the segment. Excuse me, the first part of this podcast. I'm already trying to mess up the the second one. I hope you'll <laughs> forgive me. But uh, we need to get to the lines, man, and um, a few of our obsessions. Uh, which, you know, I, I think the, the readers that read both of us on the lines, especially you probably know you're obsessed with Ben Johnson, maybe aren't as familiar with my obsession of the offensive line, but before we get to either of those things and how much they matter and don't matter, I guess it all matters. Uh, you want to talk about Jamison Williams, which I'm not sure if he's an obsession with you, uh, or me, but, um, but you have thoughts. Because he's had an interesting, uh, he had an interesting return to practice, so to speak, not to practice, but to the, to the, to the uh, full contact. His first padded practice. How about that? Well, I want to. The, the thing that I want to talk about with with Jameson Williams is there was a columnist in the Free Press who said he's a bust. So I want to find out who that columnist was and why he called him a bust. That was pretty harsh. I thought. You know, it's funny because I did write a tongue in cheek column the other day about Jameson Williams. And um, oh, was it tongue in cheek? Okay, yeah, it was tongue in cheek. I and I it. thought to myself, I even talked to our editor, Kirk Crawford, Kirkland Crawford, about yeah, <laughs> what kind of response. I I did not get one single email about from a reader thinking that that I that it was real, right? That it wasn't that it wasn't tongue in cheek. So, and I went, uh, you know, I I tried my best to make sure that would that was clear, the tone is clear, but you never know because it's. It's still writing. It's not your voice. It's not your, ver- you know, it's not speaking. So sometimes it gets lost in translation. But uh, but yeah, that surprised me. Nobody said, "Hey, man, wh- wh- what do you mean?" I didn't get any of that. I, I got actually some people that were angry with me. Of course, I knew I would. But uh, what are you angry about? about? They feel they were. They feel misled like the- by the headline. The care? No, 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 no. They feel Being like switched. there's. They feel like there's character issues. No, they not. Nobody was upset with that. They feel oh. like there are character issues with Williams. So they're mad at him, or they're mad at you for not. No, they're mad out. at me for not for not. You know, writing more about that, I guess. But they okay. feel like it was a boss. I even had people saying, "Hey, Holmes has got a d- good track record. This isn't gonna." You can't win them all. <laughs> so <laughs> I was, I was, you know, there were plenty of people that were like, thank you for writing that. But there were plenty of people that were like, that have comp- clearly given up on him already. Right. And it's funny at practice, I could, I would hear whispers and murmurs uh, among some of our, uh, you know, like this guy is never, never going to be anything. So it's not been a great start for him. That's clear. That's clear. Yes, but, uh, that's he's you've written a, about him ten times, so uh, you're the expert. He's got a he's got a tough, you know, hill to climb. You know, a tough uh, road to hoe. I mean, it's it's you don't want this is not how you draw the start to your career, right? All you know, and last year was not his fault. Obviously, they knew he was coming back from the ACL injury in college, and they they fully understood that and whatever you know he started practicing late played in what six games toward the end had a few drops whatever eh, you know it's going to happen an incomplete rookie season and then just all the different things this year with the maturity questions about some of the stuff he was doing and and then now he gets a little bit dinged up his second the second day of uh, training camp misses the first few pad of practices that he doesn't have a lot of time because he's got to leave the team you know, after the preseason, is going to miss the first six games, can't practice or can't get, can't come back and like start working out with the team, I think, until the after three weeks. Yeah, three weeks. Three weeks he can't be in the building, that's, which it's is tough. That's an eternity for a youngster, isn't it? it is. I mean, that's a long time. How do you, how do you start yourself, get ready, start yourself? And he, and he, you know, he worked with Jared Goff in the spring and they, they, they worked together with the other receivers and, and to work on that chemistry and the timing and all that stuff. Uh, but then it's like, boom, the season comes, go chill out, go watch TV or something. And then let's jump back into it and you're going to be ready to go. You know, that's that's a lot to ask of any young player. So um, it's tough for him, you know, and and it's just it is what it is. I mean, just dispassionately, whether you're a fan or not a fan, you know, the, the people who are frustrated with, uh, you know, they traded up to get this guy and. And this was Brad Holmes trying to show off how smart he is or something, whatever. Um, 
you know, I, I, I like, I like when, when general managers are, are aggressive. I like it. I mean, that's just me. That's my personality. That's my, my preference of don't sit there and hope things happen and things fall to you. Now I don't, you know, my feeling about offensive linemen, Sean, in the first round. So, you know, other than O-linemen, like I like it. Skill position guys, whatever you have strong conviction, um, and this is what's, this is what's funny, by the way, I didn't get to mention this about our, in our Tigers <laughs> session, but the, the one thing that made me kind of chuckle, but also sad, I wasn't trying to laugh at people, but to think that, you know, the Tigers scouting department and all the, the, all the, the, the data that goes into it, all this money ball stuff, all this research and whatever that goes into these prospects and these guys, and it's all lined up like chess pieces and then here comes Erod to knock it down just by saying, I got family concerns. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, all that didn't matter. All the, all the regressions we ran, all the money ball stuff, it's all in the toilet because it was a personal issue going on. But, but that's what happens, right? I mean, even in football, right? You make all these projections and this guy's going to work out and he's fast and he does this and that. And, the, you know, you're, you love to write about this stuff, right? The, the, the fluid hips and all these different things comes down to who, who there's human, a human component to all this. And Jamison Williams, I think if he was Amon Ross St. Brown, there'd be very little concern about this kind of stuff, but he's not that kind of player. Um, We don't know that much about his level of commitment to the sport and how serious he's going to be to it and how, uh, how that's all going to work out. It's too early to give up on him, but far too early to give up on him. But this is just a tough, tough start. It's a really tough start. And, and, and the thing, and you and I have talked about this privately, and I want to be careful here publicly. Um, and I'm sorry, listener, we're not, not trying to. Pat McAfee uh, says you can say anything you want anytime. Yeah, right. Or anything, exactly. It doesn't matter. I, I, don't, I don't want you to think what we're, what, what I'm we're about to say. We're just two friends we're gonna, talking it, to each other, it, Sean. Yeah, right. That, isn't, that this is not authentic because it is. Uh, I just want to show some respect to another human being to some degree. Um <laughs> And let's, I mean, one thing I think we could say is you've talked to Jamison Williams, maybe not one-on-one, but you've been in the scrum with him. I have myself and been around a little bit. He's just, you mentioned St. Brown. I'm on Ross St. Brown. You talked to him from the minute he was a rookie. I remember, I don't remember what road game it was, and he came in after a a tough loss. And I remember sitting there that, that, God, I wish I could remember what stadium that wasn't. But anyway, I remember walking out of that press conference, that post-game press conference, Carlos, thinking, you know, this guy's like, at the time he was probably 22 or whatever, 21, 22, 22 maybe, thinking, this guy's sounds like he's 40. And that was as a rookie. And it, it's just, that's just not, that's not Jamison Williams. You talk to him and what do you think? And the way he kind of smiles and giggles a little bit, he, he doesn't seem comfortable. He seems a lot more like a lot of youngsters his age who have no idea who they are uh, in a bigger sense. You know, he knows he's good at football. I'm sure he's got a lot of confidence in that, but he just he's just immature. And I don't mean that as a criticism. He just he needs some seasoning, a fair amount probably. And and that's what comes through more than anything else. And uh, and and that's what they've got to work. You know, I know they've set him up with, you know, Marvin Jones a little bit, Calvin Johnson to a degree. They've got other people in the building. Which is really, really good. You know, what's he going to do those three weeks? Though, when he, when he's away, that's not easy. I, I I don't I fault the NFL for that to some degree. You want to suspend somebody, that's fine. But uh, if you're trying to help people and get them to learn, it's a, it's like prison. You're going to send people to prison with no reading program, no education program in there, <laughs> no nothing. I hate to equate this to prison, but it's wow. a similar it's a similar idea, right? I mean, what do we want to do? The NFL wants to suspend them, fine, but they should have some. He should be allowed in the building. No, no, it's got to hurt. I mean, this is this is a grown man's league. It's not it's not daycare. I don't fault the NFL for this. It's like, listen, you can't you're gonna break the rules as as maybe unfair as they seem, as as convoluted or whatever. You know, you gotta it's got to hurt, or else why have rules? You know, if you're gonna, it's uh, it was on the Lions. The, the hurting's not, not playing. The hurting is missing six games. That's a that's a fairly significant hurt. You know what I mean? You, it is. If, if you think somebody has an addiction or a gambling problem, you want to help them, or 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 not, right? I mean, you can do both. I mean, maybe maybe the Lions can send somebody. I don't know, but it just seems to me that it's it's gambling. You know, it's not. 
I don't know. That's, I mean, I mean, to me, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with it, but I can see that if you, I don't know, let them, let them be, do everything else and practice and work out and everything else. So that after, you know, six games, boom, seventh game, they just, they hit the ground running, you know, like maybe, maybe they will, maybe, maybe Williams will be the, the poster child for this. And he'll be the test case of maybe this is a little bit too extreme, you know, but I think what the NFL is they wanted it to hurt because they do not want it's a weird, uh, incestuous relationship they have with the gambling houses. It's totally true. It's so totally true. they have to be really careful. And I think that I, this speaks to the level of uh, seriousness with which the NFL takes this these rules and they do not want people messing around with this and, no, and gray areas and stepping over the line. So it's like, this is going to hurt. You're going to do this. It's not going to just be a, Oh, slap on the wrist. So I, I, I don't fault them for this because once you, there's so many people already who have conspiracy theories about the NFL and gambling to begin with, you throw into doubt all this, you know, well, he can just be away from the team or whatever. Honestly, you know, that, Maybe if it's not going to hurt that much, oh well, I'll I'll tiptoe. I'll see if I can get away with uh, putting a, a bet online while I'm at the facility. Who's going to know? What, whatever. I mean, it needs to be a high profile uh, punishment. It needs to hurt. I don't have a problem with it. I see your point. I see your point. It's it's hard, especially with a young player in this circumstance. If it was an established player, it's like, hey, this is a six week vacation. You know, I'm good. <laughs> no, for sure, for for sure. And they know how to can take care of their body. That's another thing too. You think about being away and from the rhythm. You know, coming back out, it just seems like a recipe to get hurt. Which is why it I is bet absolutely. Which, which is why I bet they're not making them be away for the whole six weeks because at that point it could be physically dangerous. Right. That's a, it's sure. a, it's absolutely true. And if no pun intended, but if I were a betting man, I would bet he's going to get hurt. It's going to get hurt. It's going to be something. It's going to be a, it, it's not a good recipe for, you know, and, and that's the question is like, we don't know this about, about Jameson Williams, but when you talk to him and you can watch the videos on the Lions website of all his press conferences and things, and it's, it's, he doesn't seem aware of how serious this league is, how quick they are to just cut you off. All, he's, he feels to me like he's not unique. A lot of young players who are drafted first, second round, they've had amazing arcs to their career. They've been amazing. Everybody's told them they're amazing. They are amazing. They have great talent. And they think this is just never going to end. I'm just going to be a great player. I'm always going to be fast, young, quick, talented. It's never going to end. And they don't realize how close they are to losing their job all the time to being, you know, gotten rid of and replaced. I mean, it's yeah, not it for can long, turn in, right? It can turn in a hurry, right? In a hurry. It's interesting with, with Williams because, you know, he's had, uh, from what uh, it's been reported and what we've learned, you know, had some tough circumstances growing up, which is a lot of players. They do. No, for sure. For sure, and and that's not um, an excuse necessarily. I'm just you're talking about having somebody tell you you're great all the time, and maybe he did. You know, he he couldn't play, he couldn't get on the field at Ohio State, and went to Alabama and busted out at at, at Alabama. So I don't know that he's always been. I mean, I'm sure he's really frustrated with Ohio State. It's probably why he left. But but there but there are a couple of football things with him too, and I think that's part of you mentioned. You know, if he would look like St. Brown or sounded like St. Brown. And that speaks to some other issues too, which we don't need to get into right now, but that he might be viewed differently. I also think there's a football aspect of this. A couple of them. One is it doesn't look like he's timed up with golf. Right. And that was written about the other day in practice. Um, even when apparently beats uh, CJ Gardner Johnson to the point where it kind of went viral a little bit about how he basically made a fall of the turf. He got off the line so well. And that was a skill of his at Alabama. But then when, once, he was in the open, the route timing and precision wasn't there and it didn't end up in a completed pass. I don't know that it was golf throwing that particular ball though. So that's one thing, right? The timing, but the, the flip side of that, Carl, I'm curious what you think is he has shown and our, our colleague, the great Dave Burkett wrote about this the other day. He made a great, apparently, downfield block to spring. I want to say Jameer Gibbs open for a long gain. This is a padded practice. 
And um, that was something Holmes talked about draft night. And that was one of the reasons the Lions liked him, that his toughness on special teams, his willingness to get out there, willingness to get out there and sacrifice body and block. That's the kind of football stuff. That's partly why they drafted him, right? It wasn't just the speed. They thought this guy can play football. He's You and I joke about that all the time. Is he a football player or not? Well, they thought he was. And the fans just haven't seen enough of that. If they saw more of that, do you think they'd be, okay, let's give them time to grow up in other ways if they see the footballness on the football field? Yeah, it'll help give them the benefit of the doubt. And, and, and you know, Williams talked about that himself is, you know, your boy, Ben Johnson, he invoked yep. him and said, you know, his saying is no no block, no rock, you know. And, <laughs> right. and that, that's is, good. That's, that's a, a great, great saying. Isn't that great saying? Great saying. And that's, you know, uh, that uh, that's the thing that, Yes, you, you, he's, he's taking this to heart. Obviously, it's not a concern of the Lions have to, hey, man, he's got to do a better job blocking. He's got, it's not just like if you're not getting the ball, it doesn't matter. Um, you got to be a better blocker. That helps the whole team, the whole offense. You can't just be selfish. Um, that does speak to that. I like the other day, he got a little bit of a skirmish with, um, with one of the DBs. Um, Starling, was it, or Sterling, uh, um, Marlon, Sterling Marlin, yeah. He yeah, was yeah, yeah. and and that's great. I mean, the guy was probably talking some smack to him and yep. stuff. And yep. now he's got to control that a little bit, but but you know, it's camp, it's heated, you're banging around, you know. So and he had like a couple that. drops right to that point. So he right. was frustrated, which yeah. is a good sign. Good sign. Can't Did let it get under his right. We can't he's gonna get oh, when he gets on the field, there's gonna be so much gambling, smack talk, and this oh, and that, and yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's gonna be tough for him. He's got a He's got to un- learn how to deal with that. That's just how it's going to be. But I like the the passion. I like that, you know, he's not just letting it happen and not doing anything about it. So th- there's some good signs for, for Jameson Williams. He just, he's got a big challenge ahead of him. And I'm sure, I'm sure the Lions are going to be very prepared to give him a plan. And, you know, I don't know, maybe he'll move in with Calvin Johnson or something. And, uh, you know, he'll rent out a room or you know, turn his... Uh, mansion into an Airbnb for Jameson Williams and hang out with them. And they'll have, uh, I don't know, they'll have avocado toast every morning, go over, uh, you know, training regimens and, and different things, different, uh, different things that they can do to help each other. But yeah, that's, it's, it's going to be weird. And you know, the, the preseason will tell us a little bit more, although I don't imagine Jared Goff is going to play much. It'll be curious to see how much Jameson Williams plays. I would figure he should get a fair amount of action, but He's got a lot. He's got a lot ahead of him. He does. You mentioned Ben Johnson. Um, you wrote a column about Ben Johnson and argued that the whole season. I'm exaggerating here, of course. You be, you basically argue the whole season depends on him, and they need to get it done now because he'll be gone at the end of the year. And that's what I wrote exactly. And football coaches matter more than any other team sport, at least in this country. And that uh, talent doesn't matter that much. And you used. Bill well, I didn't say talent doesn't matter. I just said coaches well, matter more. You, when you, but you sort of implied it when you use Bill Belichick and Mike Dick as your examples, both of whom have not Tom won Landry. a lot of talent. But uh, did you mention Tom Landry too? Yeah. Okay. But uh, in any case, so let's – let's. Uh, okay, that's fine. Readers saw that. Um, they were perplexed by it, the examples, which is, <laughs> they should have been, which they should have been. But uh, <laughs> they're like, Carlos, you're undercutting your own argument. No, but so let's, uh, you can ask me the same thing about the offensive line, but we'll, let, let's talk about your, you know, let's put you on the couch for a second. You do the same to me. What, what What's the obsession with Ben Johnson? The obsession is we have not seen an offense like this, from the, at least from the time I've been watching the team, living in Michigan. Uh, we just haven't had not seen an offense like this, uh, an offensive coordinator like this. Um, he just, he, he he's so innovative, calls a great game. He has that just little genius, you know, quirkiness to him, you know, so it's, there's, there's just, uh, he has that it factor as a play caller and he's, yeah, he's going to be gone after this season. He should have been gone after a last season if the Panthers thing hadn't fallen through. So he's going to, you got to enjoy it. You got to, you got to, and unlike the Tigers, the time is now for the, for the Lions. I mean, they've got to seize on this. Um, and it's going to be a fascinating offseason after he's gone and what they do with Jared Goff and if they, what happens to Hendon Hooker or if they move on and get another quarterback. Who knows? Uh, maybe, tri- maybe, 
maybe Teddy Bridgewater comes in. He's the number two at some point, and who knows? There's a whole lot of uh, moving parts or or, or potential storylines that could change things, but it would be. I think that you have to feel. I mean, that everybody talks about. You know, and it is definitely a concern with the defense, the secondary, you know, what's going to happen in the linebacking ranks, uh, everything, right? And your favorite obsession is offensive line. Oh, this offensive, this is, a, you know, five Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Famers, whatever, you know, all that stuff, great. Uh, because there's a kicking competition, great. Who knows? That's important too. But to me, everybody just assumes the offense is going to be really good again. I assume it. I think everybody does. You should. And, but he is the key to making that happen. You know, we, it's it's not, I mean, it's, it, he had one year, one year as an offensive coordinator, as a play caller, um, and he let the wool on fire. So top five, I think, in, in points and yards, and it was fun. It was a fun offense to watch. Also, it wasn't boring. It wasn't, I mean, if you had your way, if it was, if Sean Windsor could be offensive coordinator, it'd just be, you know, between the tackles, up the middle, you know, let's let's give it up the middle to, to whoever, some fullback guy. And, I have a question uh, for you. I have a question for you. Do offensive lines also block for the quarterback, or is it just try to open holes for the running back? Jameson Williams blocks. That's what he does. I didn't realize that offensive lines only were there for the running back. I, I silly, me, back. silly me, I thought they were there for the quarterback too, but I guess I guess I was wrong. I don't know. It's, oh, a big, it's five globs I, of the I worst athletes to, on the field who are I got a lot to learn. Or pushing and shoving each other every down. So yeah, it's it's great. Well, watch. I can tell you what, that offense that offense last year, and if they're good this year, it's 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 the thing, you know. I don't know how good Jared Goff is. It's hard. It's hard to know. Um, he played really well last year, but you can be darn sure without that line, and Ben Johnson certainly does is is not getting calls, and it's also not an accident. I mean, you know, sometimes you find steals and so forth, but it's not an accident. They got three first round picks on that line. They got one of the best lines in the league. You know, unless you have Patrick Mahomes, although Kansas City has a good line too, but unless you have Mahomes or I don't know who Aaron Rodgers in his prime or potentially Josh Allen and Herbert, Justin Herbert. If you don't have a line, I mean, maybe Jalen Hurts is getting there too, but you're just talking about a handful of guys. Is golf one of those guys? Probably not. No. No, he's, 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 he's not. So that's another reason. You know, they, they've got that. To me, that line makes all of this possible. But where I would disagree with you is, you know, they were rolling up points in the first half of last year. And it didn't matter. They were one and six. So unless right, that defense, defense was terrible. Yeah, it was. It was awful. And unless that defense is going to be at least decent, then Ben Johnson, it doesn't matter what he does. Well, he has to he has to score points because it's it's not going to be a great defense. It's at best going to be a mediocre defense. It needs to be mediocre. So yeah. that offense has to. They have yeah. to rely on that offense. That's like the yeah, baseline. It's table stakes with that offense is it has to be excellent. That's table stakes for the Lions. If this team's going to do got, Yeah, they, I don't know that they have any great, great players offense on offense. Uh, maybe St. Brown becomes one. I mean, you could – I mean, who knows? Maybe he, he could become the best non-field, non-deep threat receiver in a game. I mean, he's got that kind of potential. And you would say that's a great player for sure. But do they have any great players? Well, if at least right offensive lineman, I mean, I think Panay Sewell – yeah, you know, he de- exactly. No, Jonah no. Jackson and, and was a Pro Bowler a couple of years Dave ago. Dave Burkett would argue that that uh, there are plenty of people. You're right that argue that Sewell is the most talented player on offense for sure. You're right, but for his position, Ragnar. Yeah, if Ragnar stays yeah. healthy, excellent. He's really player. good too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we they had T.J. Hawkinson. They had a Pro Bowl tight end. They got rid of him. So yeah, and Laporta's uh, got potential as a pass catcher. We'll see. We'll see if he can, as Ben Jen likes to say, you know, no, no block, no rock. Let's we'll see if he can block. So it's, it's a high. It's a steep learning curve for tight ends. That's why they got rid of Hawkinson. You know, they just they didn't let you know. They just in this offense, your guy likes blocking. He does like blocking, but I mean, TJ was never that big of a guy. He was not going to be. I mean, that's right. Maybe he doesn't fit his system the way mm-hmm. he wanted him to. He was a willing blocker, but just not an inline guy. But that's why they had. You know, Brock Wright and some of the other guys is if you want inline block, they just couldn't do as much offensively. But exactly. if you know, they made such a hard effort to make sure they got that whatever it was that Lions single season record for touchdowns for tight ends, just so that you know Ben Johnson could you know flout it to everybody else. Like, see, we got rid of our Pro Bowl tight end, but we still produced 
offensively with our tight end. Well, he did. He's your guy. He's your guy. It's going to be fun, man. And we're going to have lots to talk about. And uh, let's hope they don't start off one and six. (laughs) So we can still have a podcast in the newspaper. Because, you know, it's funny. I've started getting, I wrote this, uh, we talked about this the other day. There's this thing about, uh, I, I can't even remember what it was, Carl's. About uh, fan expectation. Oh, of uh, passing the Lions' uh, passion and love down to your kids, and the Lions is a family heirloom, and so on and so forth. And I, several of the responses I got were, "If the Lions are bad this fall, it's going to hurt worse than it ever." Has. <laughs> because oh, yeah. there's so many people that are kind of starting to believe, or at least allow themselves to actually really hope, in a way. And uh, so, for their sake, we we don't want that suffering, do we? No, it's all hope and hype, Sean. And you're the you've been the conductor on the hype train, so I think uh, they should come after you. Well, okay, they can they can they can do that. We have got to take advantage of it while we can, because I mean, we could be back in a three and fourteen, two and fifteen stretch in a second. <laughs> you know how it goes. But they won't uh, go right. one and six. They'll just go one and five, and then Jamo's going to come in, and then they'll win out. So it'll be it'll be fine. Well, that would be fun to write about if that happened. <laughs> we can agree this on offense that. was missing Jamison Williams the whole time. That's right. That would not be awesome. All right, let's take one more quick break and get back uh, to finish this show. Uh, what do we call the show? Uh, Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. It's time to wrap the show up, Carlos, which means it's time for your favorite thing. <laughs> uh, Not mine. I guess I'm going solo, but um, yeah. So my favorite thing was uh, was an odd thing, and it's it's hard. It, maybe it's not even the favorite thing, but it was definitely a unique experience. But recently, with uh, with the storms that popped up last week, and um, all the craziness that ensued, it was uh, it was a very trying time. As you know, Sean, uh, I'm going through some uh, some real estate shenanigans on top of all that. And, You're a magnet. Um, You're a magnet. I'm a magnet. I, I cannot even begin a to tell Trump. you. A young Trump. You're a young Trump. <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you how challenging the whole thing was, but it all ended up with us, my wife, my two kids, and my dog, uh, about a 90-pound collie named Delilah having to go like hobos from, I guess hobos don't go to hotels, but we felt like hobos going to hotel to hotel. I think we stayed in three different hotels over four nights, three nights. It was, um, it was insane. It was difficult. It was one of the more challenging three or four day periods of our life without forget the, forget the power. Everybody was going through that, but just having to be itinerant, moving around, displaced, it it was so difficult. But through it all, it was fun to be able to share that with my family, to have that experience. And it's kind of thing with it. As you know, as your kids get older, as you get older, uh, you're going to remember this. It's one of those touchstone moments in your family history. And we're going to recall how we were trying to get the Roku to work so we could watch uh, what we do in the Shadows TV series on Hulu and the password and going through that and why it wasn't working and and the dog barking and and taking her out to try to go potty and all these different just the 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 insanity of it all, uh, Sean. It's something that we will not forget in our family, but there was a lot of fun and really made me appreciate uh, how we're so used to the comforts of our lives and we're very. I'm a very privileged person and I don't, it doesn't, I guess it doesn't take much to throw a privileged person off kilter. And so I tried to appreciate that a lot of people have it a lot harder than I do, but it was such a crazy time (laughs) that it's finally, we're getting back to some normalcy. So I'm really glad to be with you and Robin this week. Um, It was a nice uh, return to the familiar and, uh, and I really, I really missed it, but I appreciated the experience. As Tom Izzo would say, normalcy. <laughs> normalcy. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's, it's, he's. That's what he says for normalcy. I've always, uh, I've always liked that. Um, yeah, we recorded a week ago on a Wednesday, and if I'm not mistaken, an hour later the power went out, or something like that. It wasn't 
I, I think that was the timeline. I have a couple of quick questions. Did you did you have a, two rooms or did you all stay in one room? It was so insane that we were so desperate to get out of here that my wife and kids went to the room. To They just checked into one room because it was too hard for the dog and we couldn't figure that out. It was such a desperate moment. And I said, I'm just going to stay in the house with the dog. It'll be fine. It's not that bad. I'll, I'll deal with it. And I just kept looking at the temperature and it kept get, getting stickier. So that night... I checked into a separate hotel at like almost midnight with the dog by myself. And then we all kind of the next day we would, we, we, you know, combined. And my one daughter asked, why do we have separate, why, why do we have two rooms? Why couldn't we just stay in the other hotel room where it was nice and quiet without a dog? Like, well, it's 200 bucks a night. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's why we're going to, we're going to like, you know, cut some expenses as much as we can. And by the way, if you've never checked into a hotel around here, it's 75 bucks a night to have a dog. Uh, and wow. yeah, this is, uh, uh, at least our, our friendly and Hey, those hotel, the hotel stock did a great job at the Hampton Inn. They, they were, they were inundated with people, with people rushing away and getting away from, I think a lot of people tried to stick it out the first night, but they did a great job. However, their, their, uh, philosophy, their, their, um, uh, policy was 75 bucks a night for a, for your pet. After four nights, it kicks up to one twenty-five a night. So, if uh, <laughs> the high cost of pet ownership was really being felt by a lot of people, I think, and we weren't the only ones with a dog. There, we could hear some other little crying and yelping and, cr- and barking. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, that's a that's a good story, and I'm glad uh, you got through it. Uh, my favorite thing is when the power came back on, and uh, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> 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 you know, we take we That's take modern one, yeah. We take modern life for granted, and uh, when that power finally came back on after three days or whatever it was, yeah, it was great. I'm sure for a lot of people, and I felt grateful too because I know people even just in the larger neighborhood that I'm in across the road, it took another day, day and a half for them. That's just random, literally across the the one of the one of the roads, kind of the main roads that goes to the neighborhood. It's really, um, yeah, you just don't know. I, I remember at one point DTE uh, had something on their website that said, "Okay, a Q and A." And one of them was, "Well, why are the why are the lights on across the street? Why do and my different grids? <laughs> yeah, right. No, that, for sure, Ex- exactly different grids. Even that, even sometimes, yeah, across the street. We yeah. literally had that. It's and this has always been the case. Literally, the house across the street from us, one of our our dear neighbors for twenty years. Uh, it's always been that. It's like a little island and. And when we've had power, she hasn't had power sometimes. And this time it was reversed. She got power within a day. And we're sitting there saying, what is going on? We understood different grids. Um, but I think I'm surprised because I know you also were without power, but you apparently have an 8 million kilowatt private rich person generator. So I don't know why you left your house. I mean, was it just not? No, no, couldn't no. Couldn't get no, down to 60 on the AC or no, what? No, well, no, we don't have that kind of generator. We don't have a Generac that runs on natural gas. We you know, a $15,000 generator. We don't have one of those. We have a small little portable generator that we got after the ice storm in the winter. Hmm. We used to lose power all the time, um, all the time. And DTE over the last five, six years did a lot of tree cutting and it has made it better, but it's been bad this last year. And we thought, okay, it's funny, Carl's, and, and I don't know we want to get out of here and get the listeners out of here, but I do remember a time when you heard a generator and you're like, what is that? I'm not going to use the word. <laughs> you know, what's that jerk with a generator? Who do they think they are? Can't they survive? What's good? Right. Do you remember when, when I was young and you heard a generator, you're like, what kind of, what kind of apocalyptic <laughs> militia type is over there with that generator? You know what I mean? That, but now we're even so, we're so reliant on Wi-Fi and, yeah. and the internet, just and everything um, that, yeah, more and more people have generators. So when the power goes out, I hear them all over the place now. It's just a lot more common. And uh, anyway, we broke down and bought a portable one. Well, we don't have what's called a transfer switch where you can plug the generator, goes directly into your circuit box, basically. And then you can run and turn off circuit breakers from there to, to kind of keep it under a certain amperage. But ours is not powerful enough for the AC. And we don't have that transfer switch, which we're going to do here before the, before the end of the summer. So we really just ran our fridges. We ran two extension cords for the fridges. But it was hot, hot, hot. 
Yeah. Let me let me ask you a question. This is, I know we we got to get out of here, but I have I do have a question since we're talking about this. Is as I told you across the street, literally across the street, they had power a full day before we had power, and I would come home to check on the house and to get move some stuff around or whatever it was. Um, and what is it poor form for? It's not our 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 friend, but another neighbor. Is it poor form? to for that side of the street for them to have power and for someone who has power literally across the street to have power and kind of be flaunting it by uh doing some yard work and turning their lights on and as the other side of the street is dark and people are uh without power poor form or not is it just i, mean, hey, I, I have power I so i don't think so because we would often lose power and there'd be other people that would have power. I'm, I, our neighbors have had a generator for several years, and they have the whole the transfer switch, which allows you to power your furnace. Say if it's in the winter, it won't. I don't know that it quite doesn't AC and AC is, but it'll run a lot of your house, and um, which makes it a lot more inhabitable. But they did it because of a sump pump, and they'd lose power sometimes in a heavy storm, and their backyard would flood. If they didn't have that pump, their basement, their the lower level with floods. So that's why they broke down and got a generator because a couple of times they've had floods and then had to have rip out drywall and big expenses, expensive repairs. But I remember during the ice storm, I'd look over there and their house was all lit up and it was warm. <laughs> no, but you know, so here's yeah. the difference. Yeah, you know what this I mean? is what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, if you have a generator or you have power, of course you're going to have your lights on. You're going to have your AC going, yeah. uh, you know, no problem. You're just going about your life, but you know, washing your car, you know, trimming your hedges like la di da. Life is a is a you know is so great. Uh, I, I doesn't that doesn't bother me. Why I not get a lawn chair out? You know, turn on some uh, some power, some music, and the electric grill maybe, and uh, have some uh, martinis or whatever. I mean, come on, that doesn't bother me. That I guess if it you. were, I guess if they were out, if the you know if you were out of power for a couple of weeks or something, and, or a week, like when we had the blackout back in the early 2000s uh that and and somebody around and, and a little island had power and they were out there sunning or doing whatever you're saying that might be a little bit different but no nah, it doesn't bother me okay uh, i don't i don't i don't worry about it i mean good for them they got power <laughs> you are such a forgiving person okay that's i don't because i don't think it's <laughs> personal it, how forgiving you are <laughs> they're not it's not personal they're not trying to do anything to you they're just that's their lot at, yeah. at that point that'd be like being upset when somebody pulls across the street with a much nicer car, which happens all the time. <laughs> I don't care. No, that's not the same. That's yeah, like, they have the means for, uh, yeah. That's the, the same if you have a car and it blows up in your driveway and then somebody pulls up in a in a Lamborghini and starts doing, you know, donuts and they're like, boy, it's time to have a great car. Well, don't the donuts anything. would be, I don't know. Somebody's out there trimming their hedges and they happen to have power. I don't think that's anything other than just taking care of their business. <laughs> Good for them for trimming their hedges, and I and I do believe this neighbor, like it, it, the person, is not a, a jerk. And uh, you know, we we share power. We've done this with neighbors for a long time. Run an extension cord if you need something, whatever. But it just it was just a little off putting to to feel like you were the have the have nots and the haves over there. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't worry tough. about. I would. I, don't. I would just tone it down. That's all. If it were me. If even if my wife said, "Hey, it's t we should cut the grass," like I'm not doing that while those poor people don't have power. I'm not turning extra lights on. I'm not. And and well, funny. The funny thing about this was we have those uh, solar lights, landscape lights in the front. They're just solar, obviously. But if you drive by the house, it looks like we have power because those yeah. lights are on. And I think people hopefully would understand. Like, yeah, they don't have power. And there was we're not the only ones. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know that uh, there's that much envy in those situations when it's just a few days. I think. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother me at all. By the way, and, and we need to wrap this up, the, the DTE trucks have been out on my street this whole time, and I've been worried that, and I meant to mention this at the top of the show, that I could just go away at any point if they cut the power, because before the power outage last week, they had been in the neighborhood the previous couple of weeks just doing infrastructure repair and transformers or updating them, uh, cutting some trees. They're, you know, yeah, so... We got through it. They didn't cut the power. I don't know if that's good or bad. Maybe it should have been cut. <laughs> but anyway, all right, my man. We've been here way too long, and uh, that's probably my fault. That's always my fault, which is fine. 
I'll uh, I'll do my best to get better. We need to thank. Uh, let's get through this. We need to thank uh, Robin, my man, Robin. Right, Robin Chan, Mister Chan. Come on, man. What would? Oh, is it Mister now? Mister Chan. I, I show respect to our uh, people who who you know butter our bread. I was just going to say, let's thank Robin, uh, Kirk, Anjanette, and Nicole. How about that? Can, wow, we're, we're trying to we're trying to make this uh, efficient. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Let's let's get out. You're right. Let's done. let's start We're doing done. that from now. Can we start doing that, Robin? Robin Kirk, Anjanette, Nicole. Let's ask them. All right. Those would be Robin Chan, the producer, who makes this possible uh, for us to podcast. Kirkland Crawford, the sports editor. Anjanette Delgado, the managing editor, and Nicole Avery. I think what's your, what's, uh, what's your title? Editor. Oh, Anjanette. Okay, whatever. It's Nicole. N- Nicole's in charge. Anjanette's- She's the editor. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, that's just Gannetta's, uh Okay, that's not cool. But anyway, they make it possible. We just say that because we make it possible. We're the ones sitting here talking. <laughs> this is our last show. Yeah, Robin, Robin cut the whole whining thing about the, the power. I, it's going to be a twenty-minute show. I, I, obviously, it doesn't happen without Robin. You know what I mean? Obviously, I mean, yeah, Robin's with us. He, he's he's part of the working working crew over here. When this but, thing uh, gets actually posted, it's going to be an uh, you know, edit saying, I'm not with them. And then it's yeah, hopefully, 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 this will, hopefully this will all get cut. <laughs> you can find us wherever you find your favorite podcast at Apple, Spotify. Subscribe, please rate us. Uh, let us know what you think. And, and uh, thank you for listening. What else, Carlos? I know we usually share that. and I just got through it. Sorry. No, thank you, you for see, you, listening you, to, uh, you know, the final episode of Carlos and Sean. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see oh, you in another yeah, incarnation, yeah, yeah, another great. podcast. We 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 may or may not be next. We may or may not be back next week, <laughs> right? So you know, tune in to see. No, I'm kidding. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll be back next week with more uh, free press sports with Carlson Sean. <laughs>